Good morning, everybody. It is Halloween 2017, Tuesday, October 31st, 2017. Hope you got your scoop, your, your spooky uh, costume, mask, whatever that case may be, on you, and uh, you're prepared for a good night of uh, Halloween fun, trick-or-treating, whatever you're going to be doing. Once again, it's Mike Lyon coming to you live with the Wicked Awesome Boston Sports Podcast. And as it always seems, when we are about to ignore the Patriots and the Red Sox for a day, one or the other comes up with huge news uh, before we have a chance to start the next podcast. So we'll get to the Celtics, we'll get to the Bruins before the end of the show, I promise you. But we've got to start in Foxborough, where the Patriots do it again and pull off an, yet another stunner of a trade. Although I would argue that this one is is significantly less significantly less stunning or less shocking, surprising, whatever whatever term you want to use there than some of the others. If you didn't see it, they traded Jimmy Garoppolo last night. They traded Jimmy Garoppolo to the San Francisco 49ers for a 2018 second round pick. And uh, there, there's a lot of initial reaction to this all over the place from what are the Patriots thinking to what are the 49ers thinking to the 49ers made out like bandits to the Patriots got good value, so on and so I mean, there, there's all kinds of different thoughts kind of flying around on this one. Uh, the move leaves Tom Brady as the only active quarterback on the New England roster as of the time of this podcast, which is about 8.15. This is 8.15 Tuesday morning when I'm recording this. Uh, as of right now, he is the only quarterback on the roster. I expect that to change fairly quickly. Uh, in a, a separate but a seemingly corresponding move, the 49ers released Brian Hoyer yesterday uh, right after the trade was, was made. And a certainly a natural landing spot for Hoyer would be in New England, where he was the backup for, for quite a long time to Tom Brady, remains good friends of him, good friends with him, and, know, and knows the system pretty well. So... Hoyer very easily could be in New England. He could be a Patriot by the end of the day today. If it's not Hoyer, it will be somebody else. Don't worry. The Patriots will not be playing in Denver in a week and a half with only one quarterback on their roster. That will not happen. And anybody who just says, oh, my God, they only have one quarterback on their roster, just ignore them because that's ridiculous. The Patriots will not do that. I promise you. Whether that is Hoyer or somebody else, they will have another quarterback on the roster before they play Denver. Now, what does the trade mean and what's my reaction to it in the, the, the instant? The first reaction I had is not much of one at all. And I realize that Garoppolo had some good moments for the Patriots. In fact, some very good ones. And there was the debate for a while on, you know, should we lock this guy up? Should we, 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 we give him a big contract? And apparently they tried to do that. Uh, in the offseason last year after they won the Super Bowl. They, they tried to negotiate with Garoppolo on an extension. It, it didn't work out. That's not really surprising to me, and it shouldn't really surprise anybody. I'm sure the Patriots wanted to re-sign him for, for backup money, maybe give him a bit of a guarantee and, and keep him secure. And I'm sure Garoppolo felt that he could make an awful lot more money as a starting quarterback and certainly wanted to be given a chance to start. Uh, in the uh, 2018 regular season, when he'd be an unrestricted free agent, so it's not surprising that those contract negotiations, you know, discussions didn't work out. Um, but I think the the one thing you got to remember here, you're talking about the Patriots' backup quarterback, 
And yes, I realize a backup quarterback is an exceedingly valuable thing to have. If you don't have a good backup quarterback, you can get sunk very quickly. Go ask the Colts about six years ago when Peyton Manning got hurt, how that season turned out. Uh, Peyton Manning left town the following year after they went 2-14. Two and, two and 14. But uh, I, I realize that. But at its core, you are talking about the Patriots' backup quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. They had a very good backup quarterback, potentially the best backup quarterback in the league, and that's a great insurance policy to have on a, you know, for, for a 40-year-old starter in Tom Brady. But you are still talking about the backup quarterback for the team. And if you can get a second-round pick for the backup quarterback, particularly one that's going to be high in the second round, the 49ers are 0-7, or they're, they're, they're going to pick very high, that is a very, very good deal and very, very good value. So that that's for the crowd of, we, we only got a second for the guy, how come we only got a second, why not two seconds, why not a first, why not a player, etc., 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 he's too valuable? No. He's a backup quarterback. A second-round pick for a backup quarterback is unreal. It's unreal, quite frankly. The Patriots did, in the Matt Castle deal, I think they traded Castle and Mike Vrabel to the Chiefs and got a second in return. And that was after they had franchised Castle and after the season was over when they knew that Brady was going to be back the following year. So to get a second-round pick straight up, a high second-round pick straight up, for Jimmy Garoppolo is really, really good value. It's really, really good value. So I, I don't want to hear the they didn't get enough for him. They got more than enough for him. In fact, they did very, very well at getting what they got. Uh, by the same token, it is certainly fair to wonder if they could have gotten more for him in the offseason. And if you want to wonder that, you want to talk about the, 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 the trade possibilities, I mean, there was that rumors with, with Cleveland, what, what they wanted to trade for him, what they didn't want to trade for him. I mean, there was a rumor that, that Cleveland offered him a first in the draft last year. It's fair to wonder that if they could have gotten more if they had traded him earlier. But I, I think they, they made this deal now for a couple of reasons. One, I mean, the second rounder was on the table for San Francisco. You do it. You take that deal. I'm not sure if a first rounder was ever on the table from Cleveland in the offseason. In fact, I, I, I fairly much, I pretty much doubt it was, but in any event. Second, you wanted to see what you had with a 40-year-old quarterback in the first eight games of the season uh, before you made a decision to move on and, and, and go in a different direction about uh, who's going to back him up. Because if you liked what you saw out of Tom Brady in the first eight games of the season, I mean, if he had signed, showed obvious signs of slowing up, in the first eight games of the season, then maybe you hang on to Garoppolo and maybe you pay him. Maybe you give him an extension because you know you 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 think that Brady's window is gonna is gonna end, it's gonna close a little earlier than it than it would. But look, Brady, by and large, has played very, very well in his age 40 season, eight games into it. He has had some off games. The offense has had trouble putting them in the end zone. I don't fault Brady for that entirely. Yes, he had some. He's made some throws that he'd like to have back. You know, it has not been his best season statistical statistically, but he's still been pretty good. In fact, very good overall. 
Uh, but you don't fault Brady entirely for not putting the points on the board. I mean, he's, he's been playing behind a pretty a pretty leaky offensive line at times. He's been playing without Julian Edelman. He's been playing with teams double and even triple, co- triple covering Gronk. He's been playing with a running attack that's been inconsistent and banged up. So you can't put all that offensive struggle on Brady. By and large, he's played very, very well. And I think the Patriots saw what they had in him. And they said, we're good. He's fine. He's going to be our quarterback for the next three, four years. Minimum two, three, four years. I don't know. You don't need Jimmy Garoppolo. You're not going to pay him at that point. He's never going to play quarterback for you. And by the time he finally gets it, and you know, he's going to get too costly one. By the time he finally gets into a game as a starter for the Patriots, he's going to be 28, 29 years old. You know, you'd have to pay him above rate to be your backup quarterback for however long. And, and, you know, they finally turn to him when he's like 29 or 30. I mean, he's going to lose arm strength by that point, in theory. You know, they didn't need him anymore is what I'm trying to say. It's, it's yeah, I, I don't like losing Garoppolo either. You know, I like he was a great teammate. He's a, He was a, a hell of an insurance policy to have. But he deserved a chance to start from Jimmy's perspective. And the Patriots didn't need him. They liked, look at, Brady's been fine. More than fine. He's still the best quarterback in the AFC, quite frankly. He still can do it. And as long as he can still do it, you know, you don't need a Jimmy Garoppolo, and you don't have to pay Jimmy Garoppolo top dollar to be a backup quarterback. So it's, you know, and, and, and the Patriots were able to find that out by keeping Garoppolo over the first eight games and then seeing what Brady, what Brady had left and now trading him when they did. Is it risky? Well, sure it's risky. You know, you're, sure it is. I mean, Garoppolo's been in the system for an awfully long time. He won two Super Bowls here as a backup quarterback. Won some games for the Patriots. You know, by all accounts, a great teammate. A great backup. You know, the team will miss him, for sure. It's risky. You know, you're going to bring a good, you know, you'll, whoever you get is the next backup quarterback. You know, he won't be Jimmy Garoppolo, at least in theory. But, again... We're talking about a backup quarterback here. We're not talking about the starter. What you need is a viable insurance policy. If that's Brian Hoyer, that's more than viable. More than viable. If it's somebody else, still viable. People are throwing around Colin Kaepernick's name. Regardless of how you feel about Colin Kaepernick, that would be fine too. You need a viable backup backup quarterback. For Tom Brady. The backup quarterback, as long as Tom Brady is healthy, knock on wood, is not going to get into a game and probably isn't going to get many reps in practice either the way Brady does it. So the move certainly says Tom Brady is your quarterback for the next few years. I don't think anybody in New England is going to object to that. It says that the Patriots believe in the guy and it says that the Patriots wanted to maximize value on a guy who, quite frankly, should not have as much as he did. You know, I don't blame, and, and, and I don't blame the 49ers, by the way. I think the 40, I, this is a trade I think that works out well for both teams. You know, from the 49ers' perspective, you get a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo at 25 for half a season and potentially to be your starting quarterback for an awfully long time, and you get him for the 33rd, 34th, 35th pick in the draft. 
You'll take that every single day if you're the 49ers. I said it down here a couple years ago when when the Eagles traded up a couple years ago to get to go get Carson Wentz. I think what the Eagles did, and, and you know, like I said, I live in Philadelphia. I'm pretty close to this to this market and these teams. But the Eagles traded a second round pick in like the 2016 draft, a first in 2017, and a third in 2018. Or something like that. They traded a first, a second, and a third for Wentz. You think the Eagles are regretting that deal now? Carson Wentz is the NFL MVP right now. Absolutely the MVP of the league right now. You think the Eagles are regretting that? Of course not. If you think you can go get a guy who can be your franchise quarterback, and Jimmy Garoppolo, by the way, could be a franchise quarterback, I think he's that good, then you go get him. You go get him no matter what the cost. If it costs you three first-round picks to get the guy you believe can be a franchise quarterback, you use those first-round picks to go get him. Draft pick capital in the NFL is, well, it's it, it, to me it's an overrated commodity anyway, but it's irrelevant when you're talking about a franchise quarterback. It is the most most important thing that you can go get. If you don't have a good quarterback, you cannot win in the NFL. Not anymore. You cannot do it. So for the 49ers to sit there and say, hey, you know, a second-round pick's a lot for a backup quarterback. But, hey, for the 49ers, you know, look at it from this perspective. We can spend the 33rd or 34th pick in the draft to go get our franchise quarterback. Heck, yeah, you're going to do it. Heck, yeah. That's cheap for the 49ers. Heck, yeah, you go do it. And from the Patriots' perspective, it's... He's a backup quarterback for us. We've already got our franchise quarterback. We've had him for 15 or 16 years. If we can reap a high second-round pick for our, for our backup quarterback, hell yeah, we're going to do it. Hell yeah. So it's a trade that works out well for both teams. It's, you know, I, I think if you're trying to analyze who won this trade, I think you're looking too far into it. They both won. They both did well. Uh... I'm sad to see Jimmy go from the Patriots' perspective, but I understand it and I support it. And I think to go get the second-round pick, and the Patriots have, have you, the Patriots love this spot in the draft, by the way. They've been there before. They've been at the top of the second round before because they can field offers for the pick and take the best one or go take the best player that they think is on their board. So they love being in this position, and they're in it again. I really like the deal for the Patriots. I'm sad to see Jimmy go, but I really, really like it. Now, of course, having just said that the Patriots love to be in this spot in the draft, what are they going to do with that? Are they going to use it on a player? Are they going to are, are they going to actually use that pick? Or are they going to trade it? And that was whispered and 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 you know kind of analyzed and thought of on Twitter. I saw a lot of tweets about this that the Patriots now have the capital to go out and get a player now that they think can help them. The trade deadline in the NFL, by the way, is today. It, it, it Today at 4 p.m. Traditionally, not a very active trade deadline. You know, baseball trades are made all the time. It's the most active trade deadline out there. Uh, but the NFL's gotten a lot more active lately. And the Patriots, seems like they make a trade every year. Seems like they make a trade every year. They certainly did it last year with Collins. You know, now they do it with Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, they'll go get guys, too. Akeem Tlaib a couple of years ago. They'll go get guys. Deion Branch a little while ago, in the same year that they sent Randy Moss out. 
they're active. It is very, very possible that there could be another player coming to New England before 4 o'clock p.m. today. The guy that was kind of bandied about on Twitter or thought of or brought up most on Twitter that I saw was Jimmy Graham from Seattle. And I think the Patriots could really use Jimmy Graham. He is not a typical Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels type of tight end. He's certainly a move guy. He's basically a wide receiver in the Patriots system. That's why the Patriots would go get him because the guy doesn't block. He's not a good blocker. He can certainly go get the football. I mean, the debate a couple years ago was between him and Gronk for who was the best tight end in, in the NFL. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that they were, we were having that discussion. He can still go get the football. The question, and I've said it a million times, and I'll say it again now, I think Jimmy, Jimmy Graham could certainly help the Patriots if they want to use that second-round pick to go get him, and I think, quite frankly, that might be enough. I think there was there's some salary cap ramifications in there. The Patriots might have to send out a player to Seattle to, to help balance the cap. It wouldn't be a high-level player. I mean, the guy they were talking about for a while last night was Cam Fleming. But, I mean, that doesn't that doesn't appear to be possible anymore because Seattle went out last night and got Dwayne Brown, the left tackle from Houston. So, they probably don't need another offensive lineman. Maybe it's another player. I don't know. But in any event, if I, I would think a second-round pick, that high of a second-round pick would be enough to go get Jimmy Graham. If it is Jimmy Graham, yeah, the Patriots could really use a, a, somebody with his talent. But as I've said with a million other wide receivers and pass catchers, this system is very, very complicated. It's not easy to grasp. You know, you've seen wide receivers come into it, talented guys come in to the Patriots system and just struggled with it. Couldn't pick it up. Chad Johnson or Chad Ojosinko a few years ago when they got him. Guys that they've drafted, I mean, they, they don't draft a lot of high wide receivers for a reason anymore because they don't, they, you know, the, the flashy, you know, kind of speedsters and precise route runners in college don't pick up this system. They just never have. So the question that I would have before you get too far down the Jimmy Graham, you know, kind of tunnel is could Jimmy Graham pick up this system quickly? He played in a fairly complicated system in New Orleans. That's the one thing you can say about it. <clears throat> I don't think the system in, in, in Seattle is as complicated as the one in New Orleans. Uh, with Drew Brees kind of running the show down there and Sean Payton calling the plays. I mean, remember, Sean Payton and Bill Belichick are from the same book, same kind of coaching tree. So I, I would think that they do a lot of similar things on offense. So he did play in a pretty, pretty you know, pretty complicated system with Drew Brees. Maybe he's the type of guy that could pick up a system in New England pretty fast. The one nice thing is, if you bring him in now, he'd have a, he'd have a week and a half to kind of work on it and get assimilated. Now, if the Patriots do go out and get somebody like that, don't expect a huge impact right away. Maybe down the line there's, a, there's an impact, but don't expect a big one right away. It's going to take some time to pick this up. But no, I mean, pay attention today because there is certainly the possibility that the Patriots use that second-round pick to go get a player. And there's guys out there that can be had. I mean, Seattle's playing really, really well, but Jimmy Graham's a free agent at the end of the year. Probably not going to re-sign him there. So there's other guys that can be had, too. Pay attention to see what they want to do. So with, with the Garoppolo news 
kind of on the table and, and taken care of for now. Let's look at the Celtics, who very quietly, very quietly, your Boston Celtics have reeled off five wins in a row. And you can be forgiven if you haven't really paid much attention to the Celtics, at least early on in the season, especially after what happened to Gordon Hayward. Uh, but if you haven't been paying attention, five wins in a row for the good guys. They won last night over the San Antonio Spurs, who were playing shorthanded. They didn't have Kawhi Leonard. I don't know if they had Parker either. I don't think they did, but uh, the Spurs were definitely playing shorthanded and they were playing on the road. But the one thing you're seeing from the Celtics right now is what you hoped would happen after Hayward got hurt. I mean, you obviously didn't wish Hayward... You, you, you wish that Hayward, Hayward didn't get hurt, obviously, but what you are seeing with the Celtics is the young guys coming in and asserting themselves. Jalen Brown had 23-9 and nine last night, or something like that. 23 for sure. Jason Tatum, another double-double. Kyrie Irving is scoring. You expected that from him. Al Horford is playing very well. Marcus Smart hit a three at the end of the quarter, third quarter, I think, to give the Celtics the double-digit lead that they didn't give up. The young guys are playing very, very well. They've, they've, they've coalesced together in the in the wake of the Hayward injury, and they're playing well. And they're getting, you know, like I said, they're getting getting a ton of opportunities with Hayward being out, and they're making the most of them. And that's what you want to see. I mean, it, it, it was terrible that, that Hayward went down when he did, but it does give Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown for certain, you know, Marcus Smart, some other guys, a chance to step in there and really get some big and important minutes for this team. And if you told me the Celtics were going to win five in a row after what happened on opening night early on in the season, I'd have called you nuts. I'd have called you nuts. Five in a row for the Celtics, five and two on the young season, and it's early. I don't want to get too far down the, you know, let's 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 not get too far down the road here. It's still early. But Brad Stevens, he's Brad Stevens can still coach, folks. He can still motivate guys. He can still get an awful lot out of players who, you know, in, even in situations where they seem to be shell-shocked. And he's doing it early on in the year for the, for, for certain. And I, I hearken back to something that I talked about in the, in the Celtics preview right before, you know, Hayward went down. I didn't think, and I continue not to think, certainly now with Hayward being out, I didn't, I didn't think even with Hayward that the Celtics were going to win the East this year. Not as long as LeBron was in Cleveland. As long as LeBron plays for the Cavs, and they, I know they've struggled a little bit early, don't expect that to continue. They'll be fine. As long as LeBron plays in the East for the Cavs, the Cavs are going to be an overwhelming favorite to win the East and probably will win the East, even with, even given you know Gordon Hayward's presence on the Celtics. It wasn't enough. I didn't think so. I certainly don't, you know, without him, I certainly don't think they have enough to overtake the Cavs. But if you're getting guys these kinds of, of, of great opportunities to play early on in the season, and the Celtics are doing that, if they're getting these young guys valuable minutes, and Jason Tatum's getting him at age 20, Jalen Brown's getting him at age 22 or whatever he is, that can only serve the Celtics well going forward. And when Hayward gets back next year, God willing, you know his his. And I, God willing, he comes back healthy, and, and and comes back ready to go, the same type of player that he was before the injury. God willing, that happens. All indications, by the way, are that is that the the surgery on his leg was very successful. 
if you get Gordon Hayward back playing to the capabilities that he can and you get these young guys the experience that they've had oh boy that's a talented team that is a tough team to deal with and if LeBron leaves Cleveland in the offseason and pretty much every sign in the world points to him going to LA next year the Celtics are going to be in really really good shape in 2018-2019 really really good shape if these guys continue to get the minutes that they've gotten and play the way they've been playing. So, nice to see the Celtics getting off to the roll that they're, you know, five in a row for the good guys. Let's hope they keep it going. Let's talk Bruins real quick to close up the show. The Bruins lose an overtime decision last night to the Columbus Blue Jackets, 4-3. to They were down early in the game. They were down 2-0 at the end of the first period, then 3-1 to at the end of the second period came roaring back on goals from Tory Krug and I believe David Pasternak to tie the game in the third period. They did eventually lose it in overtime uh, to the, the Columbus Blue Jackets. They come back home now and uh, play three more in, in Boston before they head, on, head out on a long road trip. And The Bruins, unfortunately, just it's, it's the same old problems with them. No consistency. And a lack of depth. I mean, it, they, they've gotten a little bit more out of the back lines this year than they've gotten in, in, in past years. I mean, Danton Heinen's game against the Sharks a couple weeks ago, or a week ago, I should say, uh, is, is evidence of that. They've gotten a little more, but they're not getting they're, they're, they're not getting the consistency there. And when they get in holes early in the game, it seems like it's awfully tough for the Bruins to dig out of them, although they certainly did that yesterday. There's some fight in them, and they get a point. I mean, a point's a point. You know, you'd rather have two, but at least they got a point. Uh, but it just, it does, it, it seems they, you know, they, they, they just don't have the depth still. It just seems that way to me. You're going to see where they are pretty quick for these next three games at home, by the way, because they play the Vegas Golden Knights on Thursday. Vegas is off to an 8-2 and start in their expansion season. One of the best records in the league. Pretty remarkable when you think about this being an expansion team. They play them on Thursday the 2nd. That's at the Garden. Then on Saturday, they get the Washington Capitals. And the Capitals have not been great early on in the season. But you know what the Capitals are. The Capitals have been the the the, 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 the conference's best regular season team for the past couple of years running. And they still have Ovechkin and Backstrom and guys who can light the net up. So... Uh, you know what you have in Washington. They'll be somewhere. You'll, you'll see where you are after that. And then they get the Minnesota Wild, another playoff team from a year ago who was off to the same type of inconsistent start that the Bruins are. Uh, but So you'll see where you are pretty quick. If, if you come out of those three games with less than, say, four points, I mean, you got, you know, that, that, that would be winning two of them and losing one, or winning one and... You know, losing in overtime in the other two or something like that. I mean, I think the Bruins, you want to get four points out of the games. Obviously, you'd like to get six, but you want to get at least four out of these next three games. And if you do that, you know, maybe you'll, you know, a little bit, you'll have a little bit of consistency, have a little bit to build on. But, yeah, just the same kind of inconsistency plaguing the Bruins early on in the season. 
Let's see where they are on Thursday after they play the Vegas Golden Knights. If they, if they get that win, then you'll start, to, you'll start to feel a little bit better about them. It's not an altogether horrible start for the Bruins. They've won four games. They lost three in overtime. It's not an altogether horrible start, but uh, let's see if they can get it going at some point this weekend. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is our show for today. My apologies that the Celtics and the Bruins stuff got cut short. I intended to spend a lot more time on them, but the Jimmy Garoppolo news kind of took over. Tomorrow, uh, a pretty slow day in uh, in Boston sports tonight. Uh, nothing doing. Maybe the World Series will be over tomorrow, so we can, we can kind of recap that. But we will certainly get to all the stories that are big tomorrow. We'll have another show for you tomorrow morning. In the meantime, enjoy Halloween. Enjoy the candy. Don't get don't don't have too much of it, uh, or try not to anyway. I'm sure I will. So I'm, I'm kind of a hypocrite on that. But uh, enjoy Halloween tonight. Hope you're spending it with family and your kids or your friends, whatever you're doing. Be safe. We will see you tomorrow morning on the Wicked Awesome Boston Sports Podcast. Good night, everybody.